Hey friends, welcome to the V1 Church Podcast. Do you think Christians are supposed to be doormats? Some people go to the opposite extreme and turn into bullies. But what did Jesus really mean when he said to turn the other cheek? Well, our lead pastor, Mike Signorelli, is about to blow the lid off of this commonly misunderstood passage of scripture. Let's join him right now in part four of the Jesus Way. This sermon is called The Third Way, and I'll see you on the other side. Hey, V1 Church, welcome to service today. This is your lead pastor, Mike Signorelli, and I'm so excited that you joined us. As a matter of fact, you chose to have church today. And you know what? You could do anything with your day, but I'm applauding you right now because you believe the scripture that says, seek first the kingdom, and then all these things will be added unto you. And you know, many of you had a decision to make like, what do I do today with my time? And you said, I'm gonna put God first, knowing that everything else is gonna come into alignment. So hey, do me a favor and drop a comment right now with where you're watching from. Come on, let me know where you're watching from in the comments so our teams can greet you and we can say hello to each other and uh, just welcome each other today. I want you to turn your Bibles to Matthew chapter five, verses 38 through 41. So Matthew chapter chapter 5, verse 38 through 41. And I want to read these scriptures to you that 99% of people will completely misinterpret. You've heard these scriptures many times and actually had no idea what Jesus, a first century Jew, was actually even talking about. But I do believe that in 2020, this is the word that you need that's going to change your life forever. And so let me read this. It says this, Matthew chapter 5, verse 38 through 41. You have heard that it said, and an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. Do not resist an evildoer. But I'm telling you, don't resist an evildoer. But if anyone strikes you on the right cheek, pow, what does it say to do? Turn the other also. And if anyone wants to sue you or take your coat, give your cloak as well. Then it says, if anyone forces you to go one mile, go the second mile. Come on, this is gonna be a powerful word. Let me pray. Father, I pray for every single person who's listening right now, Lord, that you would just reveal to them the true depth of this scripture, the true revelation of a strategy that we need right now in the earth so that our church would be a church that's unified, our church would be a church that's free, and our church would be a church that's on mission, making disciples of the entire world. And everybody said, come on, shout it, amen, amen. This message is probably one of the most important messages you'll ever hear. Let me tell you why. Because there's something about understanding what Jesus meant in these passages that is needed in the earth today. 99% of Christians read these scriptures like this. If somebody slaps you, let them slap you again. And if you're coming, if you're mean and coming deep from the streets like I do, you're like, try to slap me the first time, homie. <laughs> but the reality is many of us are like, I get it. I'm supposed to be passive. That's what a Christian is. We're passive, we're pushovers, right? But listen, there's such a deeper, more profound understanding of this scripture that you can only understand if you go back from the 21st century that you're living in today to the first century that Jesus, a first century Jew, was alive and living in Jewish communities that were occupied by Roman soldiers. Okay, so let me help break this down. Today we're gonna learn the third way. Now, human nature is, if I confront you, I'm confronting you right now. Am I, 
and you're, are you flinching? <laughs> if I confront you, you only have two choices, fight me or run away. That's fight or flight. That's the human response to confrontation. Right now, your friends and your family are confronting each other every day. People on the internet, confrontation on a daily basis. They say that there's some things that are impolite to talk about at the dinner table. Well, that's all we talk about now on social media. And you've probably lost friends, lost family members, lost people in the local church because something wasn't said the way that they wanted it to be said or to the extent that they wanted it to be said. I mean, we're living in time where toxic people are thriving off of their toxicity. They're just like swimming in a cesspool of their own venom right now because things are so absolutely crazy. And so if you read these scriptures and you think that Jesus, the Savior of the world, is telling you to be passive, you might be like, I don't know if Christianity is for me. But I'm here to tell you that there is a depth to his message. But before I break down how to turn your cheek, how to give your cloak, and how to go another mile, I have to first give you the definition of honor, okay? So here's what it is. Write this down in your notes. Honor empowers others. Honor empowers others. Honor empowers others. Now we have to define honor. First Peter chapter 2, verse 17. First Peter chapter 2, verse 17 says, honor everyone. Honor everyone. Honor the people that you hate. Honor the people who are on the other political spectrum as you. Honor the people who are ignorant. Honor the people that you've wasted a lot of your time trying to educate out of their ignorance. Honor the people, somebody doesn't hear me. Honor everyone. This is the Bible. That sounds like a command. It is a command. Love the brotherhood, fear God, and honor the emperor, which is the political leader. Romans chapter 12, verse 10. Romans chapter 12, verse 10 says, love one another with brotherly affection. Oh, doesn't that sound so sappy? But watch this, outdo one another in showing honor. In other words, have an honor showing competition. See who can honor each other more. Who among the V1 pastors can honor each other the most? Who can honor up, down, around? Who on the dream team can honor the, their team members the most? It literally says outdo one another in honor. Like the most embarrassing thing that should happen at the local church is us trying to honor each other so much and outdo each other in honor that it's awkward for people around us. I mean, wives, outdo your husband in honoring you. Husbands, outdo your wife in honor. Can you imagine if that was the last argument you had at the home? Oh no, I give you honor. No, you're incredible. No, no, I honor you. I mean, people are like, this is disgusting. I want to vomit right now. What, what if people just started projectile vomiting as a result of how much honor they found in the local church? Now, many of you are laughing right now because you're like, this guy's lost his mind. Listen, I did. I lost my carnal mind and I have a spiritual mind that's being conformed to the word of God. And see, here's the problem. Dishonor is celebrated in our culture. If you dishonor somebody, you're more likely to go viral. If you dishonor a group of people, if you dishonor a politician, if you dishonor a pastor, come on somebody, you're, you're, more, you're celebrated for that. How do I know? Because I had to delete all my old social media accounts because I was the king of dishonor. It feels so good. As a matter of fact, here's why it feels good. Dishonor is the sugar that feeds the cancer of disunity. Whew, I, yeah, I just said it. Go ahead and write that down in your notes. Dishonor is the sugar that feeds the cancer of disunity. 
Oh, why do I say that? Because dishonor on your tongue tastes like sugar. It just tastes so good in your mouth to dishonor somebody. There's just something about saying something dishonorable to somebody that feels so good in the flesh, but it becomes the sugar that grows the cancer of disunity and it begins to multiply. Why do we need to understand this? Because honor empowers and dishonor disempowers. Come on, we need to build cultures of honor. Now we are never gonna have a culture of agreement. Why? Because that's how you get in a cult. The only time everybody's in total agreement, they're drinking Kool-Aid, they're in a cult. I don't expect that everybody at our church is gonna agree on everything. As a matter of fact, I don't even think that that should be a value of our church. I don't even, listen, some of us are gonna get to heaven. And once we get 1,263 years into heaven, you're gonna realize how stupid and trivial the arguments you had on this side of life really were. And you're like, man, that's crazy. I should have never um, hid the cross underneath the flag because I'm a Christian eternally. And some of us are losing friendships, dishonoring people, dishonoring ministry relationships because on our tongue it tastes like sugar, but it's feeding the cancer that multiplies disunity. Come on, I'm on fire today. I'm just here to tell you we're learning the Jesus way. Come on, can somebody show me some love in the comments right now? Can somebody light up some emojis or something and let me know you're here? I've got three things that I wanna teach you today. Now that we've established what honor is and what dishonor is, I wanna teach you how Jesus way is to turn your cheek, Jesus way is to give your cloak, and Jesus way, last but not least, is to go the extra mile. Now listen, I am not about just taken a beating because what people read when they read Matthew chapter 5 verse 36 is how to be passive but that's not what Jesus was saying he was saying in the flesh you have two options but in the spirit you have one option it's the third way somebody say the third way come on say it in the comments the third way see the the world teaches you know what you have to fight violence with violence but see Martin Luther King taught us that that creates a vortex of spiraling violence Violence, right? And then all of a sudden you get to a place where somebody has to be a redeemer. But then there's passivity, there's running away. Running away is also not a necessary uh, action, but those are your only two recourses in the flesh. But in the spirit, we have the third way. But if you don't understand first century Jewish culture, you have no idea the genius of Jesus. You have no idea the revelation in this. So let me read it to you again. You've heard an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. Oh, they stole from me, I steal from them. They pillage, I pillage. They rape, I rape. They murder, I murder. But see, the problem with the tooth for a tooth and eye for an eye is that it reduces you down, come on, to the same level as your oppressor. An eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, actually causes you to become the very thing that you're fighting. Jesus said, this is not how we operate in the spiritual realm. And, and let me just say this, God's got a deeper way. Let me teach you the true meaning. Let me read this scripture to you. It says, because people miss it. It says, but if anyone strikes you on the right cheek, turn the other also. Now, if you've ever, now most people are right-handed. If a right-handed person strikes, they're gonna hit the left-hand side of the face. Now, the only way to hit the right, look what it says. But if anyone strikes you on the right cheek, how do you strike on the right cheek? You strike with your left hand, right? Or you give a backhand. 
somebody's just tuning in right now and they're like, what is Pastor Mike teaching my children? Do not do this at home, okay? But let me tell you the significance. In first century Jewish culture, you were not allowed to use your left hand. Your left hand was meant for unclean activities. And if you would have used your left hand for certain gestures, including but not limited to a strike, you would be penalized and you would not be allowed to be a part of the religious gatherings and restricted for 10 days. So we know that this scripture is not saying that you're using your left hand to strike. So how do you hit the with your right hand, the right hand, the right side of someone's face? Because look what it says. But if someone strikes you with the right cheek, turn the other. It's a backhand. Watch. <laughs> this is virtual service. So if I hit you like this with a backhand in first century Jewish culture, who did that? Slave owners to their slaves. Okay, are you with me? We're going deeper. Who else did that? Husbands commonly struck their wife like that. And then parents to children. So a backhand is hierarchical. A backhand is a way of saying, you are less than me. I'm the slave owner, you're the slave. I'm the husband, you're the wife. This right here was a lowering or a diminishing of a person. Why is that important? Because honor elevates. Honor empowers. Remember the definition. And so so when Jesus said, man, I've got chills all over me. When Jesus said, when you take the backhand, then you turn your other cheek and you say, okay, now give it on the other side. What you're saying is in order to strike me on this other side of my face, you have to dignify my humanity and you've got to hit me like a full person. Because the backhand was for slaves. The backhand were for those who were subjugated to a Lord. But to hit me on the other side, that means you've got to hit me like you would hit a person on the same level as you. And so what happens in this moment, it's such a powerful moment that we miss in Scripture. And some of you are realizing you read this Scripture your, your entire life the wrong way. Is what he was saying is, when you strike me the next time, you're going to have to dignify me and empower me as an equal. If you want to fight me, fight me like an equal. Man, some of you are getting ready to run around and shout around your house and you don't even know what you're shouting over yet. <laughs> But to a first century Jewish audience to turn the other cheek, the left one, you're creating a scenario where the person asserting dominance is forced to fight you as an equal. And that's the beginning of sowing the seeds of honor. Hey, I'm not a slave. I'm a human being. You know what? I may be your wife, but we are co-heirs and co-leaders in this relationship. You're going to have to treat me like an equal. So turn the other cheek wasn't passive. It was active. It wasn't violence for violence. It was dishonor being fought with honor. Whoo, come on. Let's move on. I only got a few more minutes. Give your cloak. Now, many of you, there's probably three people out of 30,000 who are wearing cloaks as I'm preaching right now. The rest of you have no idea. Well, let me tell you what first century Jews used to look like. They had two layers of garments, underwear, and then they had the outerwear. And so what happened was going all the way back to Deuteronomy chapter 24, verse 10, there's this Old Testament, Old Covenant law that many of you don't know about that provides that a creditor could take as collateral for a loan, a poor person's outer robe. So if you're poor and you owe money, the person that you owe money to, according to Deuteronomy 24, 10 through 13, could actually take your outer garment as collateral to hold it against the money you owe, but it had to be returned each evening so that the poor man could have something in which to sleep. 
Now watch what you're saying. Well, what does this have to do with what Jesus said? Remember, let me read in Matthew chapter 5, verse 28. Jesus says this, but if anyone wants to sue you to take your coat, give them your cloak as well. Uh Oh, you just got an image, didn't you? Here's what it's saying. If somebody's trying to take advantage of you, if somebody's tilting the table unfairly, if someone's trying to use you, have you ever been used before? Have you ever felt like somebody's taken from you? Well, see, your very faith and belief in God is you can't take from me because you were never my supply. Come on, I got an eternal supply. And so what it's saying is, hey, don't just give them your outer garment. Watch this. Strip down naked in the court of law. Give them their, your cloak. That's what it was. And then stand there naked and say, okay, you want that too? Why? See, you may not understand this, but for us as modern people, when we're naked in public, we're embarrassed. First century Judaism, first century Jews, and this goes all the way back to Genesis chapter 9, verse 20, viewing someone's nakedness was shame to you. So for you to see someone naked would be shame on you. So what he's saying in a court of law, if they're already trying to reduce your humanity, they're trying to, you're already poor. You already owe them money. You're already using and abusing them. And now they're taking your, your, your outer garment, strip down naked and give them your cloak too and force them to see your nakedness and be ashamed. Force them to realize you are a human just like they are. Force them to acknowledge that you are worthy of honor. Do you see what I'm saying? This is about a culture of honor. This is already one of the best messages I've ever preached because our church is going to become the kind of church that is unpredictable. What does that mean? Well, when, when people in the world are confronted, they're predictable. They're either going to rant on Facebook, they're either going to run away, leave the church, leave the relationship, or but see, we are going to become unpredictable because that's how you win wars. When you're unpredictable, you say, devil, you expected me to act up because I'm Italian and you know how Italians like to scrap. You expected me to go drink because you know, listen, whatever, you know, you become predictable. We even blame where we come from. We blame our ancestry. We blame our different ethnic identities. And we say, well, you know how it is to talk to someone. No, listen, we are unpredictable because now we've been bought by the blood of Jesus Christ. There is no longer Jew nor Gentile, slave nor free, male nor female. It's spirit-led life. And all of a sudden, we are empowered to say, hey, you don't know me like you thought you knew me. Because this time I found, watch this, it's, it's, it's the title of the sermon, The Third Way. Y'all are fighting and y'all are running away, but I'm led by the Spirit. It's the third way. I got one more. Go another mile. Oh, I get it, Pastor. Christians are supposed to go the extra mile. Go, Jesus was such a do-gooder. No, Jesus was actually a political strategist and a genius. And Jesus was God's spirit in a humanity, in a, in a dirt body, actually saying, hey, I'm going to teach you the ways of heaven here down on earth. And my ways are higher than your ways. And my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. And what happened was you had whole villages whole villages of Jews that would see Roman soldiers coming towards them and they would flee the village. And the reason why they would flee is because under Roman rule, those soldiers were actually given the, the privilege of asking, of, of asking Jewish people to carry their heavy baggage for up to one mile. 
but they were not allowed, you see this, you're getting ready to get a revelation. They were not allowed to carry their, their luggage or their baggage or their, their equipment more than a mile. As a matter of fact, if they, if they broke that rule, there were consequences. I wanna, I wanna read you some of these consequences. Um, let's see, there was a military code with consequences. So you would get infractions for disciplinary control. So a centurion commander would do the following. They might flog the soldier that broke that rule. So that's a beating. They might put them on a ration of barley instead of wheat. They might even make that soldier camp outside the fortifications or force him to stand all day before the general's tent holding a cloud of dirt in his hands. So those were some of the common penalties that you would experience for actually breaking the rule of causing a Jewish person to carry your stuff for more than a mile. So when Jesus is telling a whole Jewish audience in this scripture, hey, when they ask you to carry their stuff a mile, carry it two miles, light bulb would have been going off because what he was essentially teaching them is that God's ways are higher. So listen, if your strength is only in and of yourself, you're going to say, man, carrying their stuff for a mile, it's going to be so exhausting. But God says, listen, you're tapped into an eternal strength. And so I dare you to parade it around two miles because when that centurion commander sees you parading that bag around and you won't put it down, he's going to look at that soldier and say, you just messed up. You're going to get beat today, son. And what Jesus was doing was causing a higher level of justice to be enacted upon the the soldiers that were breaking the rules. And it would have confused all of these soldiers to have Jewish people actually doing what Jesus commanded because they wouldn't be running anymore, but they wouldn't be standing and trying to fight this army that they simply could not have actually even held a chance to militarily It was the third way. Do you see that? The third way. And so many of you are already beginning to get freedom because you realize you don't have to fight your spouse. You don't have to leave your spouse, but God will give you a strategy from heaven to still bring justice without you having to sin. Some of you are realizing right now, yes, our countries are messed up and we're here trying to reform, but there's a sacred path that we must must walk in the midst of this and not take the bait, not go the way of the world. We can't act like them, talk like them. The Bible says be in it, but not of it, right? That we are called out once. What does that mean? It means that we've got to be unpredictable because predictability loses wars. (laughs) We're fighting a war right now. We're fighting a war. We're fighting a war spiritually. We're fighting a war on many fronts right now and predictability loses wars. But it's about time. I'm giving you permission to be unpredictable. And see, what would have happened is as a slave got backhanded by their master, but they heard the teachings of Jesus, the Jesus way, they would have turned their other cheek and said, now fight me like an equal. And honor would have been sown in that relationship. There's a higher way. All of a sudden, some poor person who couldn't beat the system, would be in, in, in the court system. And then they would, re- as they hand over their cloak, instead of feeling defeated, they would say, wait a second, I learned the Jesus way and stripped down naked and said, identify my humanity, sow the seeds of honor. It's time to empower me. And they would have stood there naked, feeling empowered by the teachings of Jesus way. As a Jewish person who would have been subjugated under the Roman rule would be carrying that pack all over. They would get past that first mile and then a smile 
smile would have been on their face and they'd say, it's the Jesus way now. I'm about to parade this thing around until their commanding officer sees that they're breaking the rules and then I'm gonna watch them get their butt whooped from a distance because my Jesus has taught me the third way, the third way, come on somebody. We are going to honor all people, just like the Bible called us to at V1 Church. We're gonna honor people that don't agree with us politically. We're gonna honor people who don't look like us, talk like us, sound like us. We are gonna honor all people. This is the wisdom of God. And the last thing I wanna say in closing is this. God will even cause you to honor people that you don't feel are worthy of honor. The Bible actually says, honor your mother and father. It's been a very difficult thing for me in different seasons of my life to honor my father because I didn't believe that he was worthy of honor. In 1987, he was convicted of manslaughter alongside of his wife, uh, which was my stepmother. And for years and years, I read that command in the Bible that says, honor your father and mother. And I said, God, I cannot do it. In my early 20s, finally, I came to a place of surrender and said, Lord, I'll do it. And as I begin to honor him in my heart, what the Lord showed me, and this is such a powerful breakthrough moment in my life, is that I can realize in that moment that freely I received honor and love from God through Christ his son. And so freely I can give it. And what happens is when I'm able to actually honor the villain in my father, I learned how to honor the villain inside of me. And many of us struggle with feelings of unworthiness. Many of us struggle with feelings of not being enough, not being good enough. And it's very easy for us, especially in times of political turmoil like we're in now, to project those feelings of unworthiness, to actually distract our ego by paying attention to someone else's flaws. But when you learn to honor them, you are learning to honor you. When you learn to honor them despite their faults, you are learning to honor yourself despite your own. This is the third way. This is the third way. This is the third way. God is trying to teach you how to build a culture of honor in your home, how to build a culture of honor in your work, how to build a culture of honor here at V1 Church. Because where there is honor, people are being empowered. And where people are being empowered, they're being liberated. And where people are being liberated, you know that where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. And so God wants to set you free right now, would you pray with me? All around the world as you're watching this broadcast, God is giving you a third way. It's, the world is crying out, what are we supposed to do? I need clarity in the midst of all this chaos. And God's saying, I told you, I told you 2,000 years ago in Matthew chapter 5, verse 38, there's a third way. And God is going to give creative solutions. As a matter of fact, many of you listening to me right now are the solution to the problems of this world. When people of God pray, the Lord Lord always responds with other people of God. When there's a flood, there's going to be a Noah. Come on, somebody. When there's a giant, there's going to be a David. When there's, a, when there's slavery that's getting ready to be broken out into, into, into free freedom, you're going to have a Moses in your midst. And now it's your turn. And so you've got to know the third way. You've got to know the third way. Come on, let's pray together. Father, I thank you for every person who's listening to me under the sound of my voice. I thank you that we even are being provided 
provoked into the spiritual realm to learn your ways, being provoked, God, to learn your ways. So, Father, I thank you for every healing that's happening right now as people are forgiving and honoring people that they felt were not worthy of honor. But, Lord, as we honor them, it's only because we receive Jesus, an identity that we could never earn, we can only receive. Father, and as we receive it, we reciprocate it now. We lavish people with your love because freely we receive, freely we give. In Jesus' name, let us learn your ways, Jesus. Amen, amen, amen. I love you, church, and I'm going to see you next Sunday. How great was that teaching? Make sure to download our free V1 Church app for the rest of this series entitled The Jesus Way. We'll see you next Sunday.